Well, now, Mark Pritchard is a leading expert on out-of-body experiences. He spent uh, some 15 years researching dreams and life beyond the physical world, including near-death experience and what happens after death. He's also taught thousands of people how to actually leave their physical body. And uh, he's with us on the phone tonight. Mark, good evening. Good evening, Paddy. So... Uh, I mean, a lot of people have heard about near-death experiences, even if they haven't actually uh, experienced it themselves. But what actually happens during something like this? Well, in a near-death experience, the person dies, and but their consciousness continues to exist outside their body. Um, it doesn't happen uh, just before death, or it's, it doesn't happen really when the person is reviving, but it's a near-death experience really is the time when the person is actually dead, you know, brain dead with no signs of life. And it's in that time that they experience um, perhaps floating above their body, being in the room, going to different places, and so on. I mean, th there are some quite common things, aren't there, that people uh, recall after this, looking down on their body, the uh, yep. uh, heading towards a bright light, uh, and very often... Uh, a sort of condensed review of, uh, of their lives. Yes, um, all three of those are quite common, um, particularly the tunnel. You know, people will say they go through a tunnel and then they, they come to the, or they see this light at the end of it, they feel very tranquil. And uh, also the review. A lot of people say that they go through a review of their life like quite quickly, but they, they picks up a lot on the things they've done wrong, you know, and they kind of feel a bit of remorse. And they see the different events of life as they've gone by. It. Quite, a, quite a lot of people actually go through this review. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, very often people who uh, survive and, and, and live on uh, say, say that this has had, this whole experience has had quite a profound effect upon their lives. I mean, life-altering, really, isn't it? Yes, and that's for people both with and without religious beliefs. So it has an effect upon most people who do experience it. Um, if you can imagine being outside your body, you're not connected to your body at all anymore. You know, where are you? What's going on? What's happening? This throws up really quite uh, significant questions to, to anybody who experiences this kind of thing. It has a profound effect, and then they they back in their body, back in their lives, and then they, they really have to try to assess what's taken place. And then often they're just not people that they can turn to to ask for advice, and, and there many people find problems. Now, I mean, many people point to this sort of thing as, as evidence of life after death. I mean, would, would you, what's your view on that then? Well, for the body to be actually dead with no brain activity, there can't be any connection taking place with the body because it's simply dead, you know, like a dead fish or something. Uh, so consciousness has to exist, therefore, outside of it. So it must, it must really point to life after death. So uh, wh why do some people have the, these experiences and, and, and many others not? Well, they occur in about 10% of uh, people who die and are revived again. So 10 to 18 percent. It is a significant number. Some people don't remember them. Well, some people can't remember their dreams, for example. 
It depends on, on uh, the state of memory, on the state of the brain, and, and many things like that. Mm. So yes, I mean, I mean, well, didn't have one. It just mean that they didn't remember it. Right. Yes. I mean, and and, and remembering your dreams varies, doesn't it? Uh, in in relation to how, how deep you're sleeping and, and so forth. I mean, yes, if, 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 if you sleep more lightly, night. you tend to remember them, don't you? Yes, you sleep lighter. Yeah, you have what's called REM sleep, and uh, like your eyes move and all that, and, and you you tend to sleep lighter, then you tend to dream a bit more. Well, you dream the same, but you remember your dreams more. Mm. Whereas you go into a heavy sleep, then you, you remember your dreams less. What's interesting, you couldn't really have a heavier sleep than death, <laughs> and yet there's quite a high percentage of people who not only remember something, but remember it vividly. You know, different to most dreams. Most dreams, you can say projections from the subconscious. Um, but near-death experiences tend to be very vivid and very real. Mm. And that, that the study showing a link between dreams and, and the, the near-death experience? Yes, in that they're both out-of-body experiences. Now, there's, there's states that we go into when we go into sleep, um, and we can go into those and have similar sort of chemicals released in the body at the point of death. But once death has occurred, then there is no link, there's no physical link, it's completely different. And the interesting thing is that most accounts um, of near-death experiences take far too long for it to be simply that time of death of the body and revival of the body. You know, you've got just about 18 seconds uh, after a heart attack generally before the brain is completely dead. You know, and that's just not enough time to account for all these, these experiences which take place. And in any case, some people have actually verified events which have taken place in the room. Let's say a doctor goes, takes the dentures out of a person, then the person um, is watching that, sees where the doctor goes and places the dentures. And at that particular moment, there's no brain activity whatsoever. Then the person's revived and tells the doctors, look, you put my dentures over there. And they have, you know, and then there's no, there's no scientific explanation for that kind of thing. And that's how you have to look at out-of-body experiences to try to get some sort of uh, explanation or meaning to it. So what got you interested in all this then? Well, I was always kind of searching for you know, what's happening, what's going on in life. And then uh, I saw the group of people and did an out-of-body experience ex experiment. And uh, someone put an object in a room and said, okay, we're going to project to that room and see what the object is. Great. So there's a group of about seven of us, seven or eight, and went into the room, looked at it, and then we went back into another room, lay down. The, the person put this object in the room, and then we projected, some of us projected, and some of us were out in the room, and this, this chap appeared, this guy, and he appeared in the room. And uh, yeah, I was there looking around. Uh, I discovered what the object was. And then when I woke up, and we all woke up, uh, we chatted about it. We could verify who the chap was, what the object was, and so on. It was that, that was my first astral experience or out-of-body experience, and that really convinced me this is something real, this is not just a hallucination. Mm. 
And I mean, you now teach people uh, how, how to leave their bodies, basically, don't you? Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, I run uh, online courses, and uh, we do a survey at the end of that course. Now, I, I don't know the percentage of people who actually take the survey, but of those who take the survey, about 76% report having an out-of-body experience. So you know, the, the results are quite high. So, I mean, if I wanted to leave my body, uh, what would be the first thing to do? First thing to do is to relax your body. Very first thing, because if you're tense and if you're worried and, and all that, you just it just won't happen. So the first thing to do is to relax your body. Then you need to focus your mind, because when we're going to sleep, we focus in. We we not focus in the mind. We're daydreaming basically. We're thinking, and and these thoughts then and the images they become real for us. We slip into sleep and we don't realize we've slipped into sleep. Next thing we know, we're we're in a dream. We wake up and remember the dream. But what you do if you can concentrate your thought, concentrate your mind on one thing as you're going to sleep, you then become aware of the process and the stages that are happening as you're falling asleep. And, and as you do that, you see your body getting like heavier and you feel a bit lighter. You can hear like a whirring sound in your head and then you can start to rise out of your body. And you actually rise, you're not imagining it, you're coming out of your body. And you can, can you look down and see your body? Yes, you can look down, you can see your body. You can, that must be a bit frightening, isn't it? For some people, and I was, I was really terrified the first out-of-body so, experience. I might not get back. Coming out. But you get used to it, you realize you're, just, you know, you're not going to die or anything by going there. You, it's not a near-death experience, it's an out-of-body experience. So it's quite safe. We, we're actually doing it every night, but we're stuck in dreams and we don't realize it's happening. Right. Yes, it's, it's quite safe. I mean, there will be people listening who are a bit skeptical about this. Yeah, it's very easy to be skeptical because there's no physical evidence that you can say, um, right, this proves that, that these exist, these out-of-body experiences actually happen. All you've got are accounts of other people. And, you know, accounts are pretty convincing, really. You know, if a, if a woman is... Um, having a near-death experience, she goes uh, out of her body, sees a red shoe on top of a hospital roof, she's revived, comes back, and uh, she says, look, there's a red shoe on the top of the roof of the hospital, the staff go up, and you can't see that, roof from that, that shoe from ground level, and uh, yet she's seen it, you can only see it from above, so she had to be above, I mean, there are people who say, oh, I just don't believe it because I don't believe it. Well, that's mm. pretty compelling evidence, to me anyway, and, and to a lot of people. And there's so many accounts of, of evidence like that that it, you know, it's really forcing a lot of medical practitioners now to question the ways that science is looking into uh, near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences because the evidence that they happen is so compelling. Mm. And, and the they're, they're, they're kind of related then, are they? Yeah, they're related because they're both out-of-body experiences, essentially. Mm. Um, Although in, in one case, you're definitely going to come back, whereas sometimes, I, yeah, I guess, uh, you don't. It's a one-way trip. In one case. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, generally speaking, what sort of things do people experience, or does it vary very much when they have these out-of-body experiences? Well, in out-of-body experiences, uh, usually you see the room that you project into, um, sometimes then you can travel around, you can go to different places, occasionally you can meet 
people and we've had people on the courses um, who didn't know each other project into the same place and later on in the forums and chatting on the courses saying, oh yeah, I met this person there and then someone over another forum says, I met this person there and then you tie the two accounts together, yet they met up. So um, you can travel to all sorts of places there. It's like here, but you've got less laws so you can fly and and uh, really though, the thing to do there is to get spiritual, you could say spiritual, but teachings of some sort, you know, knowledge. Like if you look into your dreams and you start to see yourself um, being angry, you can learn about anger like that. Mm. And then you can bring that information back to everyday life. You can apply it to you and you can correct uh, things like anger gradually over you. Do, do you do a lot of interpretation of dreams then, Mark? Some interpretation of dreams. I mean, for example, I've just had an email from uh, Paul here who said uh, for the past few months, I've been having a dream where I'm traveling, but I lose my shoes. No. Yeah. Well, shoes, they show how we're kind of walking along in life. And uh, if we've lost our shoes, well, basically we need to regain them because, you know, we walk with shoes on the path of life, otherwise our feet hurt. Mm. So they, they tend to be symbols and these symbols actually carry through different cultures. So you could talk to someone in Thailand probably and they they say, Oh yeah, I was dreaming I lost my shoes. And and that's how you can find all sorts of symbols throughout history in different um, myths and tales and, and all that. You know, the Arthurian legends and things like the Philosopher's Stone and these things carry through different cultures and they all have their, their center, you could say, in this out-of-body world, the world of dreams. I mean, I've had a number of people, and I've, I've experienced this myself, uh, that, that uh, idea in, in a dream of uh, you're trying to to, to go somewhere, but you just can't get there on time, you know, and that, that can uh, represent itself in various different ways, can't it? Yes, it can. Um, every dream has different meanings. I mean, every symbol you can interpret in different ways. Mm. So an important thing to do is to use your intuition. Now, you might say, okay, that's not very scientific. But the thing is, is that there's a kind of a language over there which is symbolic, and it's a different kind of language than we have here. And uh, you, you need to learn that language as we learn a language um, in, well, to be able to speak to each other. And uh, that's done really through experience and, and using your intuition. And, and also you learn this common language which runs through these different religions and myths. And then you can, you can pick up on it and you, you can begin to read it through your know, ancient stories. You can see um, this meaning here, that meaning there. And then you see it in your own dreams and it becomes very interesting. Well, you've a book called Astral Travel and Dreams, and you talked about before. I mean, anybody who's who's listening, and, and, and I said before, maybe some people might be skeptical, skeptical but, I mean, can, can anybody uh, have an out-of-body experience? Anybody can have an out-of-body experience. And really, the way to prove that they exist is by having one. It's like you've got an apple, you know, mm. and you want to know what an apple tastes like, presuming you've never tasted it before. 
Would you go and read scientific journals on how apples taste? Would you go and ask lots of people for their accounts on how apples taste? Or would you go and pick up an apple and bite it? You know, I think you'd pick up an apple and, and bite it and, and eat it. Then you taste it, and it's exactly the same with um, out-of-body experiences. No one can do the tasting for you. And it's like no one can feel um, inner states. No one can feel your own uh, anger or, or fear or elation or whatever. And those are things you feel yourself. And no one can really experience the astral plane for you. you you've got to experience it yourself, just like you eat the apple. Well, it's a fascinating subject. Uh, the books are now Astral Travel and uh, Dreams, published by Absolute Books. Mark, good to talk to you. We could talk a, a long time on this, but uh, time's caught up with us. Thanks very much indeed for joining us tonight. Thanks, buddy. Cheers now. Good night. Good night.